and welcome to another Tucson Means Business, proudly presented by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, and of course, open for business. Well, with restrictions, but the restaurant is open, you can order and pick up and go, or you can go to the restaurant. There is uh, space seating, and of course, wear a mask in. Everything is sanitized for you to be able to enjoy the restaurant again at the Rincon Grill. But of course, in these times, as it is, we've got restrictions and rules to abide by. The golf is open, and there's rules there too, but you can learn that in the clubhouse, and the reality is um, the course is in great nick and people are enjoying it. So, in today's episode, I'm featuring a, a Tucson business guy that has made his mark across the country. He's an accomplished executive with a successful history of taking private and public organizations to new levels of sales and profitability. He does have an outstanding record of hiring the highest level of sales achievers. Don Zavis is his name, training them to their fullest potential and consistently coaching them to perform in the top 10% of their industries. So, you know, what, what is it, Don, I've got to ask you, that you look for in a person to fit the bill? There are two kinds of people in the world. There's the, t- there's the people who want to win, and then there's the people who hate to lose. And the interesting thing about it is the people who want to win, they just want to win. But if they are, but they are willing to accept loss in certain scenarios. It was that idea that it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. The person that hates to lose, hates to lose so much that the idea of not winning is just inconscionable. If, if there was a, if there was a, a, a contest of who can throw the cell phone farthest, right? I would be out in, you know, in, in my driveway throwing the cell phone because I could not lose. I have to win. And I, and that, and that really is a different motivation that, you know, refusing to lose as opposed to some people's uh, desire to want to win. Do, do you try to create a, a sales culture across the entire scope of an yes. organization? Yes. Yeah, from yeah. the first time, in fact, uh, befriending Sally's secretary, it's always interesting. The two people who know more about your <laughs> business is the, is the receptionist and the owner. That's right. Because she gets all the legal papers. She signs for all of that. She yeah. gets all the, the pissed off clients. She gets all the disgruntled employees. She gets everything. So, And Sally's she's the gatekeeper, right? <laughs> yeah, Sally's secretary and the owner. But, every, you know, every person in every company, regardless of who they are and where they are on the face of the earth, has one goal. Right, you know, increase the revenue of a company. Regarding you may not be directly in a selling position, mm-hmm. but if you know, you know, how you answer the phone is going to have an effect on how people think. You know, the guys in the warehouse are going to have an effect. So every person in every company has one goal: improve revenue. That's it. And what? And, and once you embrace that, and you realize that everybody's in sales, then you can take the necessary steps in order to try to. Uh, embellish and increase their their sales acumen. You've got to have done it, been there, or walked in the steps to be able to do it. Let's talk about absolutely. That's, that's your little putty dad, yeah. <laughs> it, it is in the background. That's that's actually cheering. It's that's funny because generally whenever I do any kinds of interviews or anything, I, I always do it at my office. But actually today, I'm going to be babysitting my grandson. My wife and I are babysitting our new grandson. 
So she decided uh, a couple of days ago, she goes, you're not, you're not working the second half of Monday. And I'm like, sure I am. It's a work day. And she says like, no, no, you're not. We're babysitting. Now, there you go. Let's just say what, what Mrs. Avis says goes. Let's talk about your own professional uh, training, Don. Mm-hmm. Um, your education included over 5,000 hours of practical actual training, mm-hmm. Ryan. Yes. Uh, talk about your, um, your own background, how you, how you got to the sure. level of what you went through. Give us an idea of well, that. Well, it, it, as I said, so the, the last business that I bought and sold was actually in 2007. And it was, uh, in a, and it was a construction company that I was related with in Brighton, Michigan. And at that time, they had a relationship with a local Sandler sales trainer. Now, Sandler Selling System is the number one global sales training franchise on the earth. And I remember, uh, it, so when I, when I got involved with the construction company, they already had a relationship with the sales training company. And, and being a sales guy my entire life, I said, well, I gotta get involved with this. So I remember going to class, I remember being in class on the first day and I thought to myself, you know what, I love this. I love everything about this. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Literally, when the first five minutes of sitting in class. So shortly thereafter, I, I separated from the the, uh, the construction company, bought into the sales training company. A year after that, tried to buy out the owner of the sales training company. We <laughs> couldn't come to terms, uh, and started on my own in, in 2008. And I've been doing that ever since. You know. Uh... They often say, you know, in, in the business world, how, how can you honestly teach anybody and do what you got to do unless you, mm-hmm. you know, talk the talk, walk, walk the mm-hmm. talk, right? And, and, right? and you've done a lot of this. You are mm-hmm. responsible for sales development or something like 2,000 sales professionals. Yes. Does this represent, um, well, it must represent various companies or, or, or do you channel yes. or is it just two or three of your favorites type thing? No, no, it's interesting. In fact, and those numbers were actually generated about three years ago. So they've gone up from that. And, and, and it's interesting because the, the training skills, whether you're selling, you know, I came from, you know, just outside of Detroit. So we have offices in, in, uh, in, in Troy, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, here, here in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona, where I am now. And last January, we opened an office in San Diego. And what I find is regardless of what you could be selling automotive paint, you could be selling newspapers. It doesn't matter what you're, you know, I've got plastic surgeons that are clients of mine. It doesn't matter what you sell. If you understand how people motivate themselves, how, you know, how a certain stimulus will get a certain response, and, and that's what we call human dynamics. It's more of an understanding on how people think and react uh, than it is related to any industry. However, at the same time that we did that, uh, those statistics that you had given, 311 different industries were, were, in fact, I had a client that was a professional quilter. She did contract quilting, these four and $500 beautiful quilts. So, I mean, you, you know, and, and it's everyone in between. You could be, you know, Bank of America Merrill Lynch, or you could be, a, <laughs> you know, a, a grandmother who's a professional quilter and everyone in between. Uh, what a diverse range. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't, you threw me there. I truly didn't expect that you'd be doing um, that caliber of industry, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you've trained and coached over $500 million of revenue production. Yes. Uh, you've personally purchased and uh, profitably sold 23 mm-hmm. 
businesses yeah. in, in, in yeah. different industries. And you're ranked in the top 5% of sales trainers and coaches nationwide. Okay. How do they adjudicate this, Don? Is, is there a national uh, conference type thing? Well, there actually is. It, and, and a lot of it is, is based on statistics. So, for example, that, that uh, being able to be in the top 5%. One of the governing bodies in, in the coaching and training industry is International Coaching Federation. And, and I would encourage anyone who's associated with coaching and training in any capacity to seek out a relationship with them. And what they do is once a year, uh, all the coaches and professional trainers like myself submit a questionnaire. And in that questionnaire, they'll, they'll say, you know, how much did you make last year? How many active clients do you have? Uh, how many hours a week do you actively coach? And then they, and then after they accumulate all this information, then they provide these surveys back in the form of a report. And, and virtually for the last 10 years, I've, I've kind of gained myself across not only at income, but in the amount of hours coached and trained, the quantity of active clients that we have, pretty much all the four or five major matrices Don's Abbott Sales Training has mm. been very, very gratefully uh, been able to place in. So they do go into all that stuff, huh? Well, they do. Now, it, it's done anonymously. So when you submit your survey, they're not saying Don's Abbott makes X amount Don that no. What they do is, and again, it's, it's you know, self-police. They, they, they want you to be honest, but mm. the reality is, is that the information that we as coaches and trainers get back from these surveys is critically important in terms of how we set pricing and, and you know, what does a caseload, a legitimate caseload look like? And there's, there's a lot of parameters. So when we get these surveys back, I sit down with my leadership team and, and we look and say, okay, well, this is where we are. This is where the nation is. What should we be doing differently? And, and maybe that we should be doing nothing different. Financial services, retail, manufacturing, mm -hmm. uh, professional services industry, yep. international keynote speaking and award-winning sales mm -hmm. coaching. So give us an idea. Uh, I mean, financial services, right, mm -hmm. are a far cry from manufacturing. Well, it, it is, and if you look, we look at financial services. I mentioned earlier, Bank America and Merrill Lynch as being clients, uh, but that could be a mortgage company. That's going to be an insurance provider. That could be a, a life insurance person. You know, financial services is an enormous block of business opportunities. One thing, interestingly enough, about financial services, they do really invest in themselves in terms of their ongoing uh, skills. Now, when you look at manufacturing, you look at retail, you look at all those things, again, people are people. Whether you're selling them life insurance or you're selling them a new car, you know, or you're selling them a trip to Hawaii, they're going to respond given a certain series of questions. And that's why the human dynamics, which is really the cornerstone of what we coach and train, uh, really takes precedence. It's that understanding that you know, asking the right questions. And we often say, you know, if you want better answers, ask better questions. You know, better <laughs> Fair enough, listening yeah. and active yeah. listening and all the things that go right. along with it. So the product that you're selling, although important, uh, is probably less important than a lot of the skills that you need to have to be effective at it. Is there such a thing that um, you would call your favorite industry? Um... Yes, actually, yes. I, I love dealing with startups and I love dealing with entrepreneurs. So if I had a choice, now startups are certainly the less financially lucrative for us because they're just starting up and their means are usually very limited. But I love working with entrepreneurs because there is a certain energy. Now, I'm an entrepreneur myself. 
right? Having bought and sell businesses, you it's not it's not what you do, it's who you are. That will never leave me. I, I fight it every day because you know I'm a I'm a butterfly in a field of brightly colored flowers. You know, I'm I'm easily distracted. Uh, but there's an energy that comes out with startups or start, you know, with newer companies um, that is incredibly infectious. And when you're an entrepreneur such as myself, you naturally gravitate towards that energy. Now, it's not that I don't, you know, absolutely embrace and, and are enormously thankful for all of our clients. But I find that those niches, those entrepreneurs, those startups really have a unique energy. And I do believe many of the people that I've worked with and have been beneficial in the longevity of their company will change the world. What about professional ad, uh, attitudes? Do you feel that uh, do you feel that they're declining today in the American workforce? Well, you you sell like you think, right? And you sell like you feel. If you feel engaged, if you feel positive, if you feel uh, your industry is, is on the upswing, like for example, the illustration that we use for that. You know, imagine you just made the biggest sale you ever made in your life, right? You're going to make a huge amount of commission, broke all of your company records, biggest sale you ever made in your life. <laughs> the next person that you talk to is going to get the real you. The next person that you talk to, because you've got your money, you broke your records, your, your place is set in history, you have nothing to prove, you're, you know, you don't have to, you're, you're not desperate, but at the same time, you're not boastful. The next person you talk to, is going to get the real use. So, you know, and unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it's driven a lot of salespeople, you know, we call it underground, uh, but it's done a very unique thing also along with it. It's uncovered a lot of the imposters. So when business was good, it's that rising tide raises all ships. When business was right, good, right. all companies were doing, all salespeople were doing good. But now that it's become somewhat challenging, now that a lot of the imposters have kind of, you know, gone to the wayside and and, uh, and, and really the true professional salespeople, and really this is their perfect opportunity to shine. And to come back again big time. Absolutely. Going to take a short break here, Don. I just want to talk about the 49ers because, you know, sure. the COVID, the pandemic has affected so many uh, restaurants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. dining places and so on. Well, the 49ers is open, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, definitely open for golf and um, mm -hmm. the swimming is open there with training and so on. But uh, read the restaurant. Um, you know, they're taking all the necessary precautions that, uh, that are required to provide you a safe environment while you're at the club. Uh, you know, whether you're a golfer or just picking up an order, uh, they've also been taking advantage of this opportunity to do some spring cleaning and they, you know, the, the grill and carpets have been absolutely clean, thoroughly sanitized, tables, chairs, light fixtures, uh, even sugar caddy, salt and pepper shakers, many other items, mm -hmm. deep cleaning and organizing the kitchen and cleaning and organizing the storage areas. Nothing's been, no one, what's the saying? No stone has been left no unturned. So, uh, they'll be, you know, pretty good shape when they're fully open. <coughs> Excuse me. Open right now, but, uh, you know, uh, the spacing that is required between people mm -hmm. uh, is very important, so less tables and so on. Pick up mm -hmm. food, order if you want to. We can actually go there. Um, you know, so a, a loss of all the facilities because of the shutdown has really hurt everybody, and including the Rincon Grill, so they're very grateful for your patronage and uh, starting to come back again, but... Uh, be careful, you know, still wear the masks mm -hmm. of sure. what you need to do. And, um, you know, if you uh, can get a chance to get onto Yelp and Google and TripAdvisor and Facebook and give your likes that you can, um, that would be very, very helpful because there still are, Don, a lot of uh, visitors, you know, uh, still mm -hmm. coming to Tucson. 
and uh, they love oh, going absolutely. to the club. And, and it's a beautiful place. I really I had the privilege of uh, doing a session there a, a while ago, and it's wonderful. I, I always suggest a private club environment for all of my clients. It is the mm. absolute best investment. Do not look at the money that you're that you uh, uh, that you place there as as any money spending. It's an absolute investment. I've made more money over probably a golf tee than I ever made over a conference room. I've made, <laughs> I've made more money over a dining table than I ever made over a conference table. So, uh, you know, they say that's a fallacy, but there's so much truth in this, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. How has the uh, COVID pandemic affected the sales industry as a whole that you've seen? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I know you're still traveling across America and going mm -hmm. to clients, even mm -hmm. while this pandemic is on. How does that work? I mean... Well, you know. the, the, the sales industry in itself, I mean, you know, I, I think if you go back a year, uh, everything just shut down. And, and because everyone was in a state of flux, uh, it, it's, it's in Michigan, we call it the tornado, you know, the tornado philosophy. So what that basically means is in Michigan, where I lived in Oakland County and Bloomfield Hills, Anytime there was a tornado sighted, you immediately went, you know, you went to your basement, you had your radio and water and batteries and food, and right, you're going to get a cut. Now, our basement was finished, so it really wasn't, it really wasn't that bad to go down there. Uh, but what would happen would be if you had a bad storm, though, is that everybody kind of hunkered down, and then when the storm passed, you all kind of, you know, kind of rose out, you know, from the, you know, from, from our basements and such. And that's, that's where people were a year ago. Everybody was kind of hunkered down, uh, really hit the sales world poorly, uh, with the exception of certain, what we call unicorn industries. So if you look at the, like a DoorDash, for example, All right. Right? DoorDash had been around for years. Really, Uber is a great example of a pivot. Here was a company when people weren't riding in it like a taxi, and they started right. delivering food. Amazon, you know, became... You know, even more of, of, you know, the megalith than it is, you know, than it was before because of that. So online sales. So there were certain unicorn industries that benefited from it. Other industries, unfortunately, didn't fare that well. And, and a lot of them uh, will likely never come back. And there's, you know, a stream of, you know, broken bodies on the streets and, you know, bankrupt businesses that, yeah. uh, and life savings that were lost. So uh, and, and I feel for those people. I, I really do. That was a, it's a tragic loss. What are you um, What are you finding about the attitude of uh, bigger business right now? I mean, are they are they downsizing through the pandemic or looking to, you know, perhaps well, operate in a different way? Yeah, well, they're not upsizing. That's the issue. So, so you've got you know, and again, this is my personal opinion. I, I'm, I'm giving you Don Zamis's opinion from the field. This isn't <laughs> this isn't Don's news network. Okay. So here's what I find. So so what I hear is that you've got full employment, or there's you know less people filing for employment, unemployment. And there's lots of these indicators that people are filing. What I'm finding is most of my companies are not, you know, they'll bring back the little, the minimum amount of people that they need. But I don't see full employment for years and years and years and years. And unfortunately, these people that aren't filing for unemployment, maybe maxed it out. Maybe they got a gig job where they drive for Lyft or something like that. So, right. you know, you're, you're getting information that is, that is somewhat tainted. Uh, most of the places in the country are not allowed full, you know, a full attendance. So if you've got a restaurant that has 100 tables uh, and you're allowed to have 50% occupancy, if you're lucky, in some cases, if you're lucky, mm -hmm. right? No restaurant can survive on 50 tables. When you're in an industry where you're looking at double digit, you know, single digit margins, and that's at full, you know, that's at full capacity, 
half capacity doesn't even do it. I mean, you're, you're, you're digging yourself hole in a hole and you're holding on with, with your fingertips. So I think there's going to be a new uh, adjusting that will be taking place, a new leveling where, where things kind of find their own equilibrium and then maybe, you know, get back to where we were sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully, you know, not wood, um, you know, the pandemic has been very strong for the sales training industry. I, I have people that contact me almost on a weekly basis and say, you know, well, we, we talked a couple of years ago and, you know, at that time wasn't right, but now we're reconsidering sales training and I'm thinking to myself, I pull the phone and I'm like, yeah, I bet you are, <laughs> you know? Well, and, I, I was uh, going to so ask it, you, do you see the online communication world for sales communication replacing the traditional sales role? No, no. You're not finding that no. now after through the yeah. pandemic? Professional no. selling, yeah. Professional selling is an eye-to-eye, belly-to-belly business. It'll never change. If your goal is to influence people, you're going to do it face-to-face. I'll give you an example. The sales the sales world will go fully virtual when the dating world goes fully virtual. Now, I don't anticipate the dating world is ever going to go fully virtual. For the same reason, the sales world will never go fully virtual, right? right you're, you're not going to get, you know, two heads of state. You're not going to get the president of the United States and the president of the Soviet Union, you know, really do anything <laughs> meaningful on a Zoom call, right? right? I, I mean, there, you know, there's that, there's that, that interaction that takes place. We're social creatures. Right. You know, we we, we want to go back to that socialization. We see this environment uh, as as foreign. The little banner going across the page uh, ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. is uh, is a little plug there for don's new podcast show on mm-hmm. tucson business radio x it's called mm-hmm. speaking of sales henceforth the sos yes. speaking mm-hmm. of sales and speaking of sales when you go around the country listening to feedback from management groups mm-hmm. uh, what's their biggest fear or concern when it comes to the subject of sales well, everyone's looking for a way to be, and again, this is just what I'm saying. You know, everyone's looking for a way to be in sales, but not be in sales. And and, and in my world, you know, being a sales guy in my world, because we always own my dad, always own the companies that we worked for, that, that he worked at. Um, being a salesman was the greatest thing on the face of the earth, right? It was like, you know, that sales guys were the greatest. He had a new car, a new Lincoln every six months wore great suits, always had tickets for everything, <laughs> knew everybody, right. you know, and, and the rest of my friends that lived on my street, their dads are wearing a work shirt with their name on it, right? And, right. You know, my, my dad and mom are going to Hawaii, right? And this is back in the 60s when that was a big freaking deal. So for me, sales was amazing. Most people see sales as a negative. And I think maybe the media, you know, that fast talking salesperson, that plaid jacketed wearing, they're all they're all hoping for the silver bullet, which is the internet that's gonna, you know, do the leads for them. And you know, people are every day they're like, Well, you know, do this on LinkedIn and you know, you know, and, and come right. to us on Facebook and Google right. AdWords. I'm like, wait a second, just pick up the phone. Right. Find somebody you want to talk to and say, hi, I'm Don Zavis. This is what I do. I, I don't know if it's a fit for you, but hey, let's talk. And if it is great, and if it's not, well, I'm OK with that, too. It's about you as know, simple walk, as you could get. Eh? As simple as you yeah, could get. Walk in, walk in the door and say, hey, I work with most of the dentists in Indianapolis. And for whatever reason, we never connected with you guys. This is what we do. Maybe it'll help. Well, so there, I, there's an old fashioned. I think people may conjure up, you know, you're talking sales training. It's sales trading only salespeople who have to go out and sell something. Mm-hmm. But you've touched on 
what was the other one? I mean, you just touched on dentists, but you, there was another couple of professional services. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What on earth you... Non-selling professionals. Uh, and, and what do I you teach you them? Know? What do you teach them? Surely not just to well, what? Have a, on the and, phone. First and foremost, yeah, you know. first and foremost that being a salesperson is not bad. So, for example, uh, you might be, we have a wonderful architect. It's a client of ours. It ha- actually happens to be in Tucson. Amazing. This guy is is... His vision and his creativity are absolutely stunning, but here's the reality. Before he can be great at what he does, he has to be great at what I do. Because before he designs that next to male AC building, somebody's got to sign on the dotted line to hire him to do it. Right. So that's what we talk about. So there's that distinctive, the idea that you know before you can be that amazing CPA, before you can be that amazing plastic surgeon, You've got to sell plastic surgery services. And then, you know, and when somebody's struggling to make a car payment, you know, let's just say it's going to be a sale for that five or $6,000 facelift or, you know, the, the CPA that, you know, I had a gentleman tell me one time, you know, it was his doctor actually and said, you know, I, I didn't go to college and eight years of medical school and years of residence, you know, residency to be a salesperson. And I'm looking at his financials and I'm thinking to myself, well, right. dude, maybe you should have. Right. Right. So rarely, rarely is the most technically competent person the most fiscally successful. So, you know, the, you know, the best, the most, you know, fiscally successful lawyer in any area may not necessarily be the most technologically proficient lawyer. Right. But they're good at sales. They're good at communicating their message. Right. They're good at fashioning a statement that resonates with the people that hear it, which, you know, which, which kind of prompts them to pick up the phone and call. Right. Right. So it just goes to show you everybody mm-hmm. really could do with some pointers. What about everybody some pointers? Sells. I mean, my, One way or another, you know, yeah. You know. Absolutely, sure. My, it's a Friday night. I want to sit in the couch and watch TV because I'm tired. My wife wants to go out for dinner. There's a sale being made. I'm going to lose, but there's a sale being made. <laughs> and the priest sells in the pulpit? Absolutely, sure. Everyone does. And the pastor sells, sale. whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, the funny, Dom used to say there was a thing that, um, was it again? Uh, all right. Without a sale made every day, the universe mm-hmm. stops dead. The globe doesn't spin. Quite well, frankly, it does. you know. Yeah, no, nothing happens until everything revolves sells around something. it. You know, yeah. yes. Nothing, nothing happens until somebody sells something. Whether you're the size of Walmart or you're my quilter lady, nothing happens until somebody sells something. What about some pointers you can give uh, to some managers who may mm-hmm. be watching now? Set clear expectations. The, the, the number one thing that most managers don't do is they don't tell these people what they need to do to keep their job. I believe you need to communicate, and I believe that there are some very clear human dynamics. For example, when you raise children, the evidence is overwhelming that boundaries on children make for a happier childhood. When you know what you can do in your family and what you can't do in your family, mm-hmm. makes a happy childhood. So if you expect this person to sell 10,000 widgets a month, You need to tell them before they're hired, Bob, in order for us to have a continuing relationship, we're going to need to have you produce sales of 10,000 widgets a month. And if it gets to the point where we don't sell the 10,000 widgets, there's a good chance we're going to have to part company. So, you know, it's unfortunate because anyone that I've ever had to terminate in our relationship in, in my many, many years of business, every time they would walk in the door knowing that this is the day, Here's what they would always say. You know, they, they always say this, this is going to be my last day, isn't it? 
And I would say, yeah, unfortunately. Why? Because they already knew it. I, it was no, it didn't come out of left field, right? Clear expectations. I expect you to do one social media post a day. I expect you to make 50 cold calls a day. I expect you to attend three networking groups. I expect you to do a podcast. I expect you to do a conference call. I expect you to do a live event, right? I expect you to do five appointments a week. Right. I expect you to do 10 proposals a week. It's very clear. And that if it gets to the point where it's not happening, then it's not a surprise to anyone. I mean, yeah. everybody kind of knows it's not happening. And I, and I believe that the worst thing you can do is, is, is keep somebody in a failing position. It doesn't help them. It certainly doesn't help you. You must hear a lot of gripes you know, within the business world on your travels, Don. Are managers uh, optimistic or more concerned right now, do you think? I, I think that the, the, it's the fear of missing out. That's the, I guess if there was one thing in leadership, they want to know everything about everything about everything. They want to, you know, every time some new platform shows up, I'll get a call, it's like, you know, hey, there's this, you know, new online thing. Should we be doing this? And, mm -hmm. you know, hey, should we be, you know, do, you know, donating money to this group because, you know, they're they're the hot one that's on CNN. And, so what? They know, they literally ring you up and ask you these questions. Oh, absolutely, sure. Because my relationship with them, although is sales training and sales coaching, I become that trusted advisor for all things selling and sales related. And when you look at the cancel culture nowadays, you know, you might have a, a tremendously successful company that makes a wonderful product at an absolutely great price and everybody loves it. But because the politics of the leadership run contrary to one group or another, right. they're going to get chastised for it. So now sales and politics and community activism and you know, uh, you know, social media and social consciousness and social responsibility have now kind of amalgamated into this ball with no with no clear dimensions. You know, you if you go back 20, 30, 40 years, you could have a company that maybe you didn't necessarily agree with their politics. You know, there was a period of time back in, in the Vietnam era where most of the major car companies manufactured weapons of war. Right. And, and at that point in time, there were some people that wouldn't buy a Ford because they manufactured, you know, things that aided the war effort. But most people could distance themselves and say, well, Ford makes a good car. And that's what I want is a good car. Right. You know, right. now now that's not that clear. Well, no. And, you know, when you think about it, automobile companies making weapons, you could look at it and say, well, they make a great car. Therefore, the weapons will be great for our boys. Mm -hmm who mm -hmm. are, are over there fighting the war, mm -hmm. uh, I want my boys to have the best stuff, so yes, I'm mm -hmm. going to support them, you know. Mm -hmm. What about your biggest concern for business now and going forward? Your your personal biggest concern that you have, mm -hmm. 2021? Well, re-entry fear. So if you're looking for the catchphrase of, of this week, re-entry fear. It's the, it's the company owner that's afraid of hiring uh, his people back. Uh, afraid of investing in technology, afraid of investing in, in advertising. You know, one of the things that I've said literally from day one is that you may have to work twice as hard to get the same results. You might have to spend twice as much as you did. So if you were spending $5,000 a month on advertising, you might have to spend $10,000 a month on advertising even to keep you with where you were. No, yeah, but I but I don't have that right now, Don, because mm -hmm. you know the pandemic affected my business badly. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. What do I do? And that's okay. And and so let let me give you a story. All right. 
And, and if you could give me about two minutes for my story, right? I think this will make sense. By all means. Uh, I was a Stephen minister for a Catholic church in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Now, Stephen ministry is a non-therapy-based religious ministry. And we would have people who would come to us that had questions like, you know, why did my baby die? You know, how does, how does the death of my child uh, help the greater glory of God? And these were questions that were so difficult, and the church tried to really answer them. I'm a devout Catholic. Right. One of the guys that I had a chance to work with uh, was an ex-heroin addict. And his heroin addiction was $500 a day. $500 a day. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. If I took a guy off the street and said, you need to get $500 in cash every single day by whatever means that you can get, doesn't make any difference, mm-hmm. Right. He did it every single day. Now, some of the ways he did it were probably less than desirable, right? Probably illegal, I would imagine. But here's what I find. If you want something bad enough, you'll find a way, right? I used to work with a soup kitchen in Michigan, and we used to watch people come in in very expensive leather jackets all the time. And you think to yourself, how could that person standing in line in a soup kitchen be wearing an expensive leather jacket? Now, is that politically correct? No. If you want it bad enough, but here's what they won't do. When I say that, they say, we don't have the money. I say, do you own a home? They say, yes. I say, do you have equity in your house? Yes. Fine, get an equity loan. Well, Don, I don't know if I want to do that. So here's what they're saying. They don't even trust themselves. You got credit cards? Fine. Get five more and run them up to the hills. Right? Is that a desirable way to do it? No, of course not. Nobody wants to do that. If you believe in yourself, you do extreme things, but it's the people that are like, well, I don't really want to get more credit cards. And really, I don't want to take an equity loan. It's just a matter of time before they're gone. And by the way, you'll lose your house and your, and your cards anyways. Right. You before know, when you touched on, uh, you know, the, the, the drug that came in every day, of course, mm-hmm. we know that, you know, uh, trying to feed a habit like that can lead to uh, oh, absolutely. many different ways of ill mm-hmm. repute. You know, uh, we know it today. Um, mm-hmm. Burglaries, more. I think there's more uh, car break-ins now than there's ever mm-hmm. been in some time. Sure. So you, sh- well, the you, pandemic you know, you didn't advocate to do what you got to do, did you? I mean, we'll yeah. make that clear there that uh, yeah. you're driving yeah. a point that you've got Absolutely. to sometimes make decisions that you know what you've got sure. to do. And, and by the way, and I will tell you again that fear of reentry. You know, and and there's a lot of wonderful people out there that are getting really severely hurt. But here's what I will tell you. Getting rich is hard, right? It's a 12-hour, 14-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week effort. It's not easy, right? And, and But the, here's the interesting thing about it. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the person with the most money on the face of the earth, they only have five fingers on each hand. It's not like they got 20 fingers and six eyes and nine ears and, you know, 14 legs. No, they have exactly what you have. They're just going to try harder. And there's a great line that I would love to share with your listeners. And, and I actually have this on the mirrors in, in my hall. It says, I will do today what others will not, so I can live tomorrow as others cannot. And let me give you a simple example of that. If I'm not wearing a white shirt and suspenders, which is my absolute uniform and has been since 19, <laughs> uh, since 2005, right. I'm wearing a shirt that says Don Zava sales training. You can see that, right? Now I can. I'm wearing a shirt that says Don's Abbott Sales Training. Here's why, 
right? I have an entire closet worth of full of Ralph Lauren clothes that my wife bought for me. But here's the deal. I'm going to wear my Ralph Lauren shirts when Ralph Lauren wears a Don Zavis sales training shirt. All right? I am a shameless self-promoter. That's something that every one of your clients can do, right? You're, you know, put a magnet on your car, wear a shirt with your business on it. I can't tell you how many times I go to speak with salespeople. I ask them for a business card. They say they don't have any. Well, that's inconscionable. That's something you control 100% keeping business cards or flyers or a pad folio or, or, or a logoed shirt or right, a logoed right. jacket. You, you have 100% control of that. Tucson Means Business is proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club. They're at 12,000 Tankaverde Road. If you're not in Tucson, somewhere around the world, but visiting, sometime you may get here, please go to the 49ers, even if you don't play golf, because there are wonderful things to do, like eat at the fabulous Rincon Grill restaurant, and then there's the fitness center, brand new, with everything that you need. Isn't that right, Casey? That's right, Mark. I'm speaking with the director of memberships and tournaments, and sales. He's just about cheap cook and bottle washer, but he can tell us all about this wonderful fitness club. It's only brand new, really. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny you say that. We're um, really proud of the way that we keep it looking brand new, but it's already five years old, that building. Is it really? Yep. yep. But God, we, you never know that. We upkeep it. Um, you know, we keep it uh, looking good, looking fresh, smelling good. We try to keep the equipment maintained. Mm -hmm. um, that's important for people that are coming to a gym. They want to use clean, fresh well-working equipment. My word, they do. And uh, one of the important things, I think, with this fitness club is that it's not that you're traditional. I mean, you've got locals coming to it from right across town. There are lots of different separate type events on, aren't there, from uh, fitness type. Uh, I, I can't remember them all, but mm. the lady that runs it yep. uh, does a fabulous job. Great job. In fact, there's a few, few of them get together and create all these different sort of sequences. They do. They've got a, a lot of different um, group fitness classes is kind of what we, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I want to say it's kind of a niche market, really. You know, there is lots of gym offerings around, obviously. Sure. You know, you got your big box box store kind of fitness centers that are, you know, they have hundreds of pieces of equipment. They've got, uh, uh, you know, classes that are, are scheduled and, and routine where ours are unique. Um, you get to know the instructors really well. They're your friends, you know, and then when you it's don't like show up, care of you. Yeah. they do, you know, when yeah. you don't show up to class, they, they want to, they text you and find out, Hey, you okay? how come you're not there? You know, <laughs> that's a nice idea. It is. So, so it, from yoga through to boom, bunk this or that, I mean, they do it all. There is, we offer a little bit of everything. We even, you know, we have kids dance classes. We even have a woman teaching ballroom, uh, dance classes right now. Um, on Wednesday nights right now, we have goat yoga <laughs> where you have these little pygmy goats. They dress them up in tutus and uh, they, they walk on your back. I don't get it, but apparently it's all the it's all the rage. So. Can you imagine that dressed up in a tutu walking on your back? But that's a goat. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a lot of fun indeed. And of course, the one other area is the pool. Yep, the pool. We have um, a five lane junior Olympic sized heated year round pool, which it's uh, it's tough to find uh, heated water um, in Tucson in the winter, believe it or not. But uh, we, we maintain it. We have a, a youth program that swims year round. Uh, we've also got aqua classes right now on Mondays we offer them. Um, the pool's just been really a great uh, resource for the club and its members. 
That's fabulous. So there you go. You get a, a really good picture, don't you? But go to the website and Casey, that address again. Uh, website is 49ercc.com. It's all spelled out. F-O-R-T-Y-N-I-N-E-R-C-C.com. You did a good job, man. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Casey Polivchak, lovely fella. Talk to him personally about anything. Memberships, the club, whatever you want to do. He's the director of memberships and tournaments at the infamous, which is the, the hidden jewel of the desert, at the 49ers Golf and Country Club. Proudly bringing us Tucson Means Business. What are the jobs today, do you think, um, that you would recommend? Say you had somebody in the family come to you and say, look, I, I, you know, I think I'd be a good salesperson, uh, mm -hmm. Don, but I'm not sure what industry to get into. Mm -hmm. do, do you, I mean, you know, you've got clients in all industries. It'd be difficult for you to favor one, but sure. is there something you'd stay away from? Uh, you know... <laughs> everything makes money. I mean, you could take the, you know, I, I, there's an example that I use when I do sessions and, and I'll take a chair. There'll be 500 people in the audience and I'll take a chair and I'll flip the chair over and I'll point to one screw on the bottom of the chair. And I'd say, you realize there's an entire company that does nothing but make this screw. They pay their mortgages. They have, and every day when they go to work, they talk about this screw, right? right? This, their life is identified by this screw. So every industry is worthwhile. Here's what I would suggest for people to do if you really want to be on the cutting edge. Go to a few, look into the futurists, right? Futurists are great places to go. And the idea of a futurist, these are people who look uh, not at five years or 10 or 15 years, they look beyond that. And, and, and position yourself. Now, right now, everybody's jumping on green energy, right? Solar and all that other stuff, right? right. Now, what, you know, will that happen? Who knows? It might, it might not, right? You know, they, you know some people love it, some people hate it. I'm sure there's a lot of people in, in between. Here's one thing I do know. A professional salesperson, a good, quality, capable salesperson is the number one best thing for a customer. So find something that you love. I love sales training and coaching. I absolutely love this. I, I, I Every day I get up like a gunshot because I can't believe that I actually, and I get paid for this on top of it. Is this a great country or what? <laughs> find what you love. If you love cars, do cars. If you love fishing, find something in the world of fishing. If you love motorcycles or remodeling or construction, find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, that's and I, a, and I think if, saying, I think if there's it? advice, find what you love. Find what you would do, what you do on your free time. If you like to, pay to play tennis, fine, be a tennis pro. Because you'll be the best tennis pro in the world. Well, People it, who it, do things they don't love. Don, that does you know sound I mean? easier than it's to be because there are some things people love to do, but they wouldn't have a clue how to transform that, you know, into, yeah. or, or maybe it's too difficult to transform for them and, in, into and, some and sort of a job lies, or business, you know sure. what I mean? Right, I mean. And, and therein lies the risk. Therein lies the risk. Now, right. to make a transition from one to the other is not immediate. I don't encourage you to quit your job like I did, right? And, and just say, well, okay, yeah, I think I can do it better. But most people don't even have a plan, right? They, they hope. They live in this world of someday, right? They look at their calendar every day, every week, and they look for the word someday, right. and it's never there. What I say is if you find what you love, and that's why if you reach out to me, mm -hmm. the clients that we have that are looking to make a transition, we have a very detailed plan. It's not a gamble, right? right. This isn't throwing the dice. Right. And yes, it has some risk, 
but it's a very clearly calculated risk that has benchmarks along the way that we want to meet. But I will tell you that every person that I have ever met that has had great success in the world loves what they're doing. They absolutely love it. Yeah. You know, the people that are, you know, it's, it's like we say, great companies have great people in the right places. Mediocre companies have great people in the wrong places, <laughs> right? Find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And we can help you find that. How do people find you? Don's episode. Oh, the, the, the man who loves shameless promotion is not hard to find. So let's go through the list. Okay. All right. So obviously, a good point is you can go to our website. That would be the first, which is a very nice website, by the way. So, you know, yeah. it's worth going you know, to. <laughs> well, and I will tell you, we have literally, we've got, you know, hours of content on there and articles and and interviews. It is pretty and, rich, isn't it? I'll give you that. Oh my God. Yeah. It, you know, podcasts, we've got so much that's on there, which I, and, and again, it's, there's no cost. There's no obligation. We don't ask to capture any of your information. So if you want to watch our videos and stuff, you are welcome to come. There's no, you know, again, we're not, uh, it's very no kind of you. You're, you're giving a lot for free as it is right and, there. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, donzavis.com. Now on that, it has our phone numbers for Michigan. So if mm -hmm. you are East of the Mississippi, I encourage you to reach out to us through our Michigan office. If you are west of the Mississippi, but up to the Rockies, I generally encourage you to reach out to us through our Tucson office. Okay. And if you are west of the Rockies to the, to the, to the coast or to the ocean, then our San Diego office is going to be the one that you're going to want to connect up with. Pretty, pretty well got it covered. Now, yeah, absolutely. So now you can go to Facebook. And there's tons of stuff on Facebook. There's videos and articles and everything you can imagine. We are very okay. robust. That you is. can go to LinkedIn. One of my partners, John Wechter, has stuff on Instagram and on, on Twitter. And again, you know, the if you're media. looking for Don Zavis anywhere on the face of the earth, you, you're going to be easy to able to find it. Yeah, it's not, when you type in Don Zavis, I don't get confused. Although, apparently there hide. is a Don Zavis who's a guitar player in Russia. Oh, isn't that coincidental, seeing you started as a guitar player, as a young fellow? Well, you know? I did, in fact, and that was our first business, Zavis yeah. Music. I mean, you know, I, I always tell people, do what you love, and, and that's what really started. But interestingly right. enough, I've owned jewelry stores and professional <laughs> sound and lighting and office right. furniture, and we manufactured office furniture, construction companies and disability modification companies and blah, 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 blah. The interesting thing about that was of the companies I bought, I only bought one that was actually for sale. Right. 22 of them. The rest you made, yeah. So, yeah, just something about it that caught my eye. And I remember walking in the door and saying, hey, listen, I would be interested in buying your business. These are businesses that weren't even for sale. I would walk in off the street and say, mm -hmm. I'm interested in buying your business, but let me share this with you. You know, now for whatever reason, this industry is on my radar and I am going to get into this business. I can either A, mm -hmm. do it with you, which I'd like to do, or I'm going to open across the street. Which would you, you get prefer? To <laughs> right? And, and some people said yes and I bought them, and That's some people said no, and eventually they were out of business. So. Uh, okay, and no, as subtle as a sledgehammer, I know, yeah. It's Don Zavis, host of the, the SOS podcast, which is this now, it's brand new. Uh, speaking of sales is the SOS. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you aim to cover in this particular podcast on the uh, To Some Business Radio? Uh, well, you know, really every topic, we, we often say it's the podcast for salespeople by salespeople. Mm -hmm. So if you are in sales in any capacity, even if you don't think that you're in sales, you are. And I encourage you to do it. So we had a wonderful podcast where we were talking about the cancel culture and its relationship to sales which now affects all of us, right? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you know, how many of us, you know, are gonna maybe not 
not interject our First Amendment rights because we're concerned about how it, it might affect our business. So, I mean, that's a really, really big issue. Uh, some of the issues that we have coming up is going to talk about social media. Uh, it'll talk about direct mail. Right now we're working on a direct mail person who's an expert for this next sessions that are going to be coming up in May. Uh, because now direct mail, which you know used to be the bastard stepchild in the world of email, right. because, yeah. you know email is it costs you nothing to send out ten zillion of them, and you know direct mail. Well, now direct mail is now becoming kind of like the go-to thing. So when you used to go to your mailbox and you'd have a pile of mail that was this big, right? The email now made sense. Now you go to your mailbox and the pile of mail is this big, yeah. and now there's a spot for direct mail again. So. Again, the, the podcast for salespeople, by salespeople, and the topics will be you name it. Don Zavis, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Tucson Means Business. Uh, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country mm -hmm. Club. Uh, appreciate you taking your time out. When, yeah, absolutely uh, my pleasure. When is your show up again, SOS? You're the... Uh, the first, yeah, the, the next one is going to be May, so it'll be the first Thursday in May. Right, so uh, for those that want to see it live, it's going to be one thirty, and then obviously the next one is going to be coming up mm -hmm. will be June, and it would be the first Thursday in June as well. Right, so every uh, first Thursday of the month. Yes. Right, you can do that. Yep. Don's have a sales training. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Trust you enjoyed Thank it you so much, and uh, we hope to see you back again for another Great. Tucson Means Business. Absolutely. Thank you so much.